not for the first time, we're in a pub. And pubs are brilliant. I know that, you know that, but can we prove it, Jeff? And are they just as good if you're not drinking? Nothing's as good if you're not drinking. Welcome to Wet and Dry, a podcast about male drinking culture, sobriety, midlife crisis, pubs and friendship. I'm Matt, and like the cheap socks of a junior TV news reporter sent to cover the floods in woefully inadequate Wellington boots, I'm wet. And I'm Jeff, 46 days into a year of not drinking and still completely dry. So we're recording this, as you can probably hear, at the Parcel Yard, a pub in King's Cross Station in London. Very early to be in a pub. It's very early. They had to open up this section for us to come in. Do you know, I, you know what? I, I don't like coming into pubs at this hour. Do you know why? Because you don't want to drink? I feel, well, I feel like it's a wasted trip. I'm not going to have a drink. I feel like I've wasted a trip to the pub. I think they do a coffee. <laughs> no, we don't have coffees, do we? <laughs> so we're here because later in the podcast, we are going to talk about pubs. I love a pub. I know, though, that I don't love pubs as much as you love pubs. I love... I mean, to me, they are the best thing in my social life, pubs. I generally get excited when a new pub opens. I generally get excited. Like, going for a beer is what it is for me. It's a going beer. And when I find a pub I love and I feel happy in, it's it's a thing of beauty for me. And you found someone who does love them as much as you do. I know. Well, I felt like I needed to... Even up the argument. I mean, I thought I did quite well last week on, on the guest, Dr. Will. Dr. Will was brilliant and nowhere near as much in my camp as I thought he might be. So I thought, I've, I've got to keep going on this. And I actually f- went to camera, the campaign for Real Air, which I thought was just about Real Air, but we'll find out it's not. And I've got, have you got Katie's job title down there? Because I, I, I got it, but I can't Katie remember job title. Katie is the senior communications manager for camera. Her role is to promote pubs, to promote drinking in pubs, to promote the way that pubs work on a social manner, to alleviate loneliness. Basically, all the great and good things that pubs and drinking in pubs can do. She's also as far from what you'd expect the face of camera to be like. I expected an old beardy man in a tweed jacket. (laughs) Absolutely. I think if you go onto the camera website at the moment, you'll be amazed at how far it's come as an organisation. Not just about Real Elves and and promoting Real Elves, which obviously it still is, but and we'll talk about it later, it, it does so much more in terms of promoting pub going and kind of the social side of pub going and what it can offer. So Katie's going to join us in a bit, but... Can we pick up exactly where we left off the last podcast? Go on. Because we went to see the hepatologist at uh, the the Blizzard Institute of Queen Mary. If you want the full title, it's in the last episode. As soon as we pressed stop in your brother's office, we all went to the pub. All of us did, yes. And it it was just like one of those beautiful moments we'd just spent over an hour in there talking about uh, liver scarring and uh, you know the the j-shaped curve of drinking and it was you know proper serious stuff to be fair dr wool wasn't as as keen to go to the pub as i me as, and my brother were. <laughs> but i felt like that we got some peer pressure on him and made him go to the pub which well, was good i pressed stop and i was still putting the, all the mics away and you were basically out the door it's like there's a pub next door let's go Family Pennington, we get to the pub quickly. That's what we do. And then when we did get there... This is brilliant. I can't remember if it was me or you, but... It was me who ordered the drink. I went to the bar and a Dr. Will was coming down later. I ordered two pints for me and my brother and I said, and a Bex Blue. A Bex Blue, no, Heineken Blue. Yeah. (laughs) The barman then said, 
is that the non-alcoholic one? I said, yes. He then openly laughed. He didn't even try to hide it. I had my back to you, and I turned around just to, just to see him laughing. Uh, and, and you pointing. <laughs> well, I felt so embarrassed. I pointed across the pub to where you were and said, it's for him. <laughs> just, I mean, it was a beautiful moment. But he did, he properly, he found it very funny that you were drinking. a non. Somebody was drinking a non-alcoholic beer in his establishment. It's not the only time this week. I was also at the I was at the London Palladium on Monday night and asked for a non-alcoholic beer. And it was that proper kind of, oh, we keep those in the cellar. I'm just going to send someone downstairs to go and get one for you. You know, they did a cursory, yeah, we haven't got any in the fridge here. Someone's going to go and get one for you. Do you know what this podcast has shown me, apart from a non-drinking thing? Non-alcoholic beer is not very popular. No, it's the fact that my life's quite rubbish compared to yours. <laughs> I mean, so far you've been to Valencia, you've gone to Lord. Where were you? Sunday night at the... Who goes Sunday night to the Palladium? The highlight of my week was watching Death in Paradise with a takeaway. <laughs> I need to up my game. Yeah, yeah, you do. It was for uh, Queen Rock Symphonic. Uh, goes to the London Palladium, I love it. It was great. I had a Budweiser Prohibition was what they eventually bought Good me name. from the cellar. Good name. Good name. Good beer? Not so much. <laughs> <laughs> it's, like a, it's like a weak version of a Bud Light. Jeez. Yeah. Yes. We're not getting any free bottles of that sent through, are that we? That's <laughs> all we need to say about Budweiser <laughs> Prohibition. Unless it's the only non-alcoholic beer in the fridge, I think that's one I can, I can put a line through that one now. Well, I suppose I'd better ask a question, though. I haven't asked it yet. It's time. Jeffrey, are you still dry? Yes, absolutely still dry. Not really massively tempted this week, I have to say. Um, the Palladium didn't send you to drink? No. What I did find disappointing about that is a Budweiser Prohibition is a 330 milliliter can, and they still give it to you in a plastic pint glass. You get a weird kind of half pint in a pint glass, and that's not, that's not great. And I bought some drinks for other people, so I'm going back to the chairs with two full pints and a, and a child. And your prohibition. Yeah, <laughs> which wasn't great. So hello to our listeners around the world. I loved you saying that. Listeners around the world. I did a little bit of uh, digging into the numbers, as is my want. On nights when I'm not at the Palladium, I'm just sat at home looking <laughs> at the stats for this podcast. So don't feel that bad. We have listeners other than in the UK. We have listeners in the USA, in Australia, Spain, Germany, India, Canada, Japan, Russia, France, Switzerland and Sweden. I like the Russian one. I think I know who the Russian one is. Really? Only because we also this week got an email from Russia through the website. Saying what? Are they offering us money from Putin? (laughs) No. Accept uh, it. They have... Someone is putting together a website where you can learn English by listening to podcasts and reading along the transcription at the same time. And they'd like us to be part of this this project. They're going to be teaching people in Russia to speak English like me. It's a Prince Philip mate thing, isn't it? (laughs) They think I'm royal. Oh, my gosh. I don't, yeah. I haven't replied to them yet. Say yes. I love the idea of a generation of Russians speaking nonsense like me. That's definitely the award for the weirdest communication we've had this week. But can I just say hello to all our worldwide listeners? I'm now getting visions of a world tour. (laughs) <laughs> wet and dry abroad going on a world tour traveling around in a bus uh, there's a couple of other quick emails i want to get through and mention the first so last week i was talking about 
having the first non-alcoholic beer on EasyJet. And I think you glibly threw away the line, George from Brentford, he's not drinking a non-alcoholic beer on, a, on EasyJet. Brilliantly, a review came in via Apple that says, I'll have you know that I had 12 bottles of non-alcoholic lager on my last EasyJet flight to Alicante and I wasn't even drunk. So there, and that's from George in Brentford. <laughs> George? You're a liar. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much for that. Thank you to everybody who's, who's been in touch during the week. You're pointing. You want me to mention Greg's one as well? Uh, just because is that the first one on the website? The Russians may have been first, but Greg, like Greg. <laughs> Greg got in touch to say, first of all, at 40 and still managing seven to eight pints a week is a major feat in itself. See, Greg understands brilliance and genius. <laughs> I like Greg. No idea how you two are actually managing that. A lot of practice, Greg. Uh, Greg goes on, I'm 22 days into a much shorter dry project. Uh, Not as liking you as much now. (laughs) So this was a great bit of insight and sharing. Kind of shocking, the medical intel. There's such a different perception between being a drinker and just drinking socially. But actually the impact of the amount the average city worker drinks is pretty big just from the few drinks a week habit. I'd like Greg to uh, keep in touch on how long he's off and if it gets to a point where I can maybe meet him and try and break him down back to drink, (laughs) that would be great. It would be like the Greg episode. I take on Greg and get him back on booze. I think Greg might be one of our American listeners. I'll go to America and do it, that's fine. (laughs) You'll go to America just to get someone drinking again. Can I say, there are times in life when you need to look back, yeah, like we are now, there are times in life when you need to look forward. And I think we've come to a, a point in the podcast when we need to look forward. It's Friday the 28th today, isn't it? As we're recording this, it's Friday the 28th. And it'll probably come out tomorrow if you get, your, it get yourself do. together. Tomorrow is a leap year. It's the 29th. And we discussed this at the start that the 29th is not a usual day. It doesn't normally exist. And I was quite happy to give you the freedom of the beer city, which allow you to drink. But there was some discussion, wasn't there, as to whether the leap year 366th day falls outside the jurisdiction of a year off. And I was happy to allow you that as a free pass. And a few other people I know are giving up drink quite like that idea. But as luck may have it, one of our friends, Martin, is having a birthday party. And tomorrow night, me and you are going out to celebrate Martin's birthday. See, I'm, I'm in suspicious a pub. of this because Martin's birthday was weeks ago. <laughs> so tomorrow night, you've got to get through the whole evening with me, constantly shoving alcohol to you. Do you think you'll be able to hold, hold fast on it? Yeah, I mean, my original plan for this weekend was to not be in London. <laughs> I, was, I was meant to be down in Somerset at my in-laws this weekend, but they've rather inconveniently left the country. Cost me a fortune, those flights. <laughs> so, a business to Australia, it really will have done. So I am in London and have agreed to come out with you. I, You know, look, I'm probably not going to drink. Um, I mean, I have a counter offer. Go on. Obviously, Lent started this week, and there will be, I imagine, some new listeners to this who've joined me and Jacob Rees-Mogg in giving up alcohol. I noticed that. Yeah. Jacob's on, on our bandwagon. Yeah, he's, uh, he's given up. Hello, Jacob, if you're a new listener to the podcast. It isn't too late for you to join me and give up alcohol for Lent. It's not going to happen. Funny enough, someone else mentioned this to me. They said... What would be really interesting if, say, for a period, and, and I think they mentioned Len... The guys you, downstairs seem to, to like that <laughs> idea. If you would do it as well to see how you coped. 
and I admit it would be interesting and a great podcast episode. However, I'm not doing it. Well, that's my counteroffer. <laughs> I'll drink tomorrow night if you give up booze for Lent. Oh, you'll drink tomorrow night if I give up. Do what, can I drink tomorrow night then? No, because it's Lent. Let me think about <laughs> okay. it. We'll come back next week and say how that goes. All right, let's get to why we're here. We're meeting Katie Wiles, Camera's Senior Communications Manager, which I think it's it's sort of second tier of job titles that we've could had. Could be better, that. It I could mean, be a better title. I mean, it's Global Brand Ambassador, I think, is still the best job title Definitely. we've had on. And then, obviously, Consultant Hepatologist. But Communications, uh, Senior Communications Manager, I think, is still a good one. Do you have a Junior Communications Manager? Um, we do. Uh, and if you guys want to give me a new title, I can propose that <laughs> as well. That's Global <laughs> Communications Manager for Ca- camera. camera Chief Spokesperson. That's it. We'll go with that. I was going to say, Katie, welcome to Wet and Dry. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for having me. I'm so excited today. So excited. So normally I turn up to these things. I come with nothing. Jeff brings everything else. He prints everything off. As you can see, you see the amount of papers I've got. I've done research for this. <laughs> this is my one. I need some ammunition on my side. And I thought, where you go well camera was the first thing that stuck out and I'm so pleased Katie when he got back to us to come down and after reading the website and and I mean I joined last night I'll go into more than this I'm very excited today team wet (laughs) yeah team wet I like it which I promise and we will come to you Katie which is odd because you are I think it'd be fair to say you're a lager drinker See, and that's the thing, why I hadn't joined before, so I am a lager drinker. I am from a family of beer drinkers, so my dad and my brother will leave a pub if they don't feel there's a good range of real ales on. They're the sort of people who look at it, they'll, they'll go up and down. In fact, my brother, Professor Dan, sent me a picture from a, a ale festival yesterday where there were some low-alcohol ales there from a Yorkshire brewing mm. company. Um, he took a picture and everything, so he was into it. More, he more didn't a- try them, he just took a picture. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I am more of a lager drinker, I don't mind it. Don't don't mind a real L. But when I went on the website, it was like finally <laughs> someone was talking for me after dry January and Stoptober and people having years off. It was like, because it's not just, I think people don't realise, yeah. it's not just about real ale. There was things about, a brilliant thing about how to save your local pubs. Loads of work and research on how pubs help loneliness and social cohesion. About, one of the things that gets me is under investing in pubs and losing great pubs. They're doing stuff against that. I mean, there was millions of things. Everyone who loves going to pubs, <laughs> needs to join they are the people who speak for me i have found my clan <laughs> and at this point i feel like we should ask the guest a question <laughs> <laughs> i forgot you were there for a minute I'm sorry well i was just gonna say we do try annuary that's what we support at camera which is going out and trying new beers and new pubs instead of dry annuary try annuary magnesi why have i not heard of try annuary before <laughs> that's what you should be doing so katie look will you tell us why are pubs so important well, pubs are really the last place that people can go and make friends without any kind of forced kind of social construct area. You think about a cafe or a restaurant, you go in there with a group of people, you sit at, down at a table and you interact with those people and you leave again. A pub is designed to go in and interact with strangers. You've got that bar setting and open space to kind of mingle at the bar. 
you've obviously got alcohol, which helps make you a bit friendlier and more and approachable. And funnier. <laughs> yeah. Maybe a little bit better looking for me as well. <laughs> and it's a very conducive environment for going in and making friends. And it's one of the last places that really is stand the test of time. You've got community halls closing. Um, a lot of churches aren't being used anymore. The traditional areas where people go to mingle and to get together as a community, pubs really are kind of flying the flag and the last one places to do that. Is a pub. <laughs> so I was, inter- I was interested in your... In, there was something on there about Friends on Tap, some yes. research you did yes. with Professor Robin Dunbar. He's my favourite professor, not my brother. <laughs> professor Robin Dunbar does studies on why beer and going to the pub is good. That's what we want to pay our taxes <laughs> for people to do. But the Friends on Tap thing was really interesting it in is. terms of you know, how it was, you know, about widening your social circle, mm-hmm. alleviating loneliness, meeting strangers, older people going there. There was also, can I talk about this bit here? Because I talk, go on about mental health. Mm-hmm. I realise I'm doing your job right now. Oh, no, really, you should be saying <laughs> all that. <laughs> but but what? Matt hasn't written any questions. He's just, he's just written a monologue here. <laughs> well, no, because one of the things they found were that especially men with a moderate amount of alcohol, open up a lot more and will be less masculine, talk about different things. And it said, you know, the Medical Research Council, the Medical Research Council, Jeff, yeah? They did something on this. And and can I just read the quote? Does anyone mind if I read the quote? Go for it. The most surprising thing was the way drinking opened up a space for men to behave in alternative ways that aren't so associated with masculinity. There was the idea if you had a few drinks, it really helps you to express emotion in a way you might not in your everyday life. So basically, now you're coming within yourself. You're a shadow of your former self since you've stopped drinking. <laughs> you're no longer talking to people. You're no longer being like... But it's true, isn't yeah. it, I think? Well, your doctor that you had on um, your previous episode alluded to this as well, the J-shaped curve that yeah. people talk about, and that's uh, one or two drinks, actually has a beneficial impact in terms of your approachability, your sociability, and your physical well-being as well. It has proven effects on your heart and everything. Professor Robin Dunbar from Oxford University, who wrote the Friends on Tap report, he also did another report looking specifically at masculinity and drinks culture as well. And um, he was a pleasure to work with. He said it was one of the more exciting uh, research projects that he did. His research was, that, well, they found out that people who have a local pub that they go to have more friends. They are better connected with their communities. They're more trusting and generally happier people, which I, is scientifically proven now. It's interesting because we're both from the same part of southwest London. And I'd say one of the things that unified everybody in our area was the proposed closure of one of our local pubs. Yeah. You know, the, mm. the kind of the Save the Wheat Sheaf campaign is I still talked about. Oh, there yeah. you go. And it's still <laughs> talked about. Yeah. And it, it's, it's years since that. I, you know, you still see people, mm. candidates for general elections. Yes quoting it as you know i was part of the save the every week every campaign. person who's ever stood for election has has put it on their resume yeah, that yeah they it's like were the 66 wembley final there, yeah. were, there were five hundred thousand people <laughs> yeah. there. we talk about the way we drink in the past and i don't drink at home for me it's about going for a pint the going's mm. important mm. i'm generally excited when a new pub opens near us when we go the first time when i find a new pub that's like a local i'm, I'm so pleased and for me it's 
going to the pub. It's meeting people in the pub. It's what happens on that night. I can vouch for this because there is a WhatsApp group, which Matt has spent <laughs> most of the last week trying to convince everybody to come out to a new German bar near us. <laughs> <laughs> and it was brilliant. But I, that, I love it. So for me, it's going to a pub. Yes. It's that whole, it's not just a drink. It's that whole social feel of it. And, yes. and that's where I, that's why I love more than anything else. We've, we've talked about the pub there. Can you separate pub and alcohol? Yeah. Obviously, you know, the thing is I'm still coming to the pub. I'm still mm-hmm. having the benefit of that night at the pub, that, yeah. that social interaction. Well, I'm not having the benefit of your night <laughs> at the pub, aren't you? I'm, I'm Much just, less interest than you are. I'm just not drinking. I, you know, there is without a doubt a trend for, uh, as we now know the technical term, low-no, alcohol, drinks, a sort of pubs and camera getting on board with that absolutely i think there's two folds to that the first is that we're seeing so many pubs diversify their offering a lot of them do things like coffee mornings the ivy house in uh, nunhead that was a community-run pub and they do baby and mum classes in the morning and yoga and things like that one of our former pub of the year winners the georgian dragon up in hudswell they have allotments in the back and a village shop um, and free wi-fi and what's that pub called the the um, georgian dragon we need to do an episode there (laughs) I like that. Former pub of the year, though. There's a new one. It was quite recent, wasn't it? There was. Um, Yes, so the new one is the Bell Inn in Aldworth, and that is like stepping back in time. It's been in the same family for 250 years, and I went there, literally, no Wi-Fi, no phone signal. It was (laughs) a bit intense as a a comms (laughs) professional trying to get publicity there on the day. It was a bit panic-stricken, but it backs onto a beautiful farm, um, amazing cheese rolls that you can get with this big old chunk and of cheese and it was just lovely just making you want to drink it <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's definitely want to go to the pub i mean i say that with sat in one but and the second fold like you've mentioned about low and no alcohol um drinks and you seem to be going for the heineken 0.0 a lot <laughs> to be fair there is a bit of an issue that pubs essentially stock one Yes. And that tends to be the one that the pubs stop. There's a Brewdog pub in London that is completely no alcohol. Yes, I think we've got that marked for a future episode. (laughs) And um, I I mean, when I was pregnant, I spent nine months investigating non-alcoholic beers (laughs) as my, you know, substitute baby. And there are some really amazing innovations and there is a lot more interest in the sector and a lot of pubs are responding to that. So interestingly, what I was talking about earlier, it was my brother was at the Brew London Beer Festival in Brick Lane yesterday. And Yorkshire Brewery only does low alcohol beer. And the ones he's got in here are the Yuzu Pale Air, which is 0.47%, a Tropical IPA, which is 0.37%. So they clearly are real mm. ale substitutes. In our major beer festival, the Great British Beer Festival in August, we have a low and uh, no alcohol bar there as well. So it is becoming much more Writes mainstream. Down August episode. <laughs> <laughs> That's that one done. I'll give you my two favourites. Um, Mikkeler is a brewery and they do called Drinking in the Sun and Drinking in the Snow, which is a dark and light beer and those are both non-alcoholic and are the best beers that I've tried that are. So what's interesting though is I kind of, I think I knew San Miguel had some non-alcoholic and obviously I knew Heineken, is it Heineken Zero? Zero. Uh, Or Heineken Blue Blue, or something like that and Bex Blue I think it is. Again Mm. I knew that from when my wife was pregnant and that's what she would drink. 
I've never really heard of any real ales or mm. ales or beers that are the low alcohol. They, 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 maybe they're not in bars, maybe they're not pushed as much. You, mm. you don't really hear about them. I mean, it is still niche. It certainly is. I think it is becoming Of course it is, because there's not many stupid people <laughs> like Jeff messing up alcohol. That's why it's niche. Nirvana Brewing does low and no alcohol really great beers as well. What about, uh, I mean, you've, you mentioned their pregnancy is a reason mm-hmm. for not drinking. And when I first announced I was going to do this, a friend of mine said great well done you but you know women do that all the time when they have babies right you know I know you think this is a great amazing thing you're doing but pretty much you know most women have done it at some point point taken um is there a difference between men and women in the way we use pubs I think so and I think you know there's a big kind of concrete effort at the moment to try and get more women in pubs more women drinking beer it is still seen very much as a masculine drink Um, pubs are the home of beer really so I guess women are kind of shunted into wine bars and cocktail bars and things like that that's very much we can see that derived from a lot of really really sexist marketing from the 1970s up to the early noughties really you know that has a lasting impact even if we're not seeing that today that has been embedded in our society so there's a lot of effort and a lot of the kind of craft tap rooms that you might see around London Bridge um, those are really good breeding grounds where you can see actually there's a lot more women going into them the glassware that they use is a lot more inviting um their the presentation the you can actually go in and talk to people and not feel stupid if you've never had a beer and you don't know what you're ordering at the bar and i think there's a lot more of that coming in with these festivals and things like that to open the market up to women but it's always the tradition is that it's been a man's domain in a lot of ways so it's um bringing women back into that conversation and you know from the beer industry's perspective that's 50 percent of your potential customer base yeah so, and there's only 20% women really drinking beer. There's a lot of potential customers there to tap into. I do think, however, I said to be totally honest when I did this, there is, and I don't know how this sits in with what we've just talked about, there is something about when men go out together, and that thing about talking, being able to talk, mm. that kind of, all, not an all-male environment, but, but when there's four or five men and they've had a few drinks, not loads, moderate drinking, and they talk and they open up a little bit more... I don't know if that has something to do are, with are maybe... Are women going to spoil that? I, I <laughs> don't know if they do it because <laughs> there is a lack of women around. Maybe it is. Yeah. I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to be honest about it. Maybe it is. Completely. I'm in an all-male environment. Yeah. I feel safer. I feel comfortable in here. I'm letting my guard down. And then they, they talk. It shouldn't be the case, but I think it probably would be for me. And that, again, says more about the need for me to develop my emotional range, but other men are the same, you know. But when I go out with my girlfriends, we go and have wine and cheese and do the exact same thing, yeah. spill our guts about, <laughs> you know, everything under the sun. Can I ask a question about how camera has developed? Yeah. Because I, I think just from kind of my re-education of what camera is, so when, when it first started, it was four guys, I believe, setting up because they were worried about Real Ale and wanted mm. to promote Real Ale. And like any good organisation, I suppose, it has moved with a time to branch out to, you know, pubs, mm. to, to put pressure on government. I saw your general election manifesto campaign on yeah. there. I've even printed it off. <laughs> um, it's now not just... It's still obviously very mm. important to realise, but it's about everything. Why, why did they do that? When was the decision made or was it just a natural flow for this organisation to help yeah. people like me against evil people like <laughs> Jeff? 
Well, Camera's going to be celebrating its 50th birthday. Well done, Camera. Happy year. birthday. So it's been around for a while, and the beer scene has changed massively in 50 years. So when Camera was founded, the biggest threat facing beer drinking was that there wasn't very much choice. There were the big four that owned a lot of pubs. Each brewery owned a pub in a different region, and you could only get beers from that brewery in that region. And they were fizzy, tasteless keg beer because that was easier than traditional real ale. It's easier to store, it's easier to dispense, it can last a lot longer. And that's what people were drinking all the time. And these four founders got together on a little boozy trip to Ireland and thought, this is a bit ridiculous. And we as consumers should be fighting for better beer. We should be telling the breweries we don't want you guys to be pushing this are on Are they us. still about, the four founders? Well, a couple of them are. I think one of them might have passed. They should, um, they should build a statue to them in Trafalgar <laughs> Square. They need more things for them. Yeah, we don't need Charlie Chaplin in Leicester Square. Oh, let's get the four founders <laughs> a camera up there. Well done. They coined the term real ale. That wasn't a term before, but they wanted to say, okay, what we think is good quality beer. It wasn't any craft beer at the time. They were like, we want the traditional way of making and dispensing beer. We want it a naturally fermenting live artisan product. Um, that isn't artificially injected with CO2 and we want to campaign for that and since then we now have over 2,000 breweries now across the UK and it's been a huge explosion and do you think that I guess this is part of your job and why you're doing your own podcast and and, and the website and everything is do you think enough people understand the kind of shift that camera's gone. Well, I think, you know, and that's a big focus for our activity next year on the 50th is actually to tell the story of camera because it has kind of been lost in time, really. And I think, you know, the whole craft beer explosion has caused a lot of issues for us in some ways because there isn't a definition of what craft beer is. In America, it means a brewery that produces under a certain amount of beer every year. Here, you can be Heineken and slap a different label on your beer, and that's craft beer. So for us, that's a problematic term because nobody's agreed what it means. We've obviously coined the term real ale we know exactly what that means and you know if you're considering craft beer to be an artisan product that's made you know with like locally sourced material and you know by small brewer a lot of real ales fit that description but not all (laughs) all craft beers will be called that so there's a kind of disconnect now I believe with a lot of beer drinkers about what camera stands for what real ale means within the craft beer market and you know that's something that we need to take on as a challenge to try and actually demonstrate this is exactly what we've been campaigning for for 50 years you know I think every podcast we do should have an interesting fact to come out of it something you go away (laughs) from it yeah and you can say down the pub the fact that the four founders of camera came up with a term real ale that's the one for this this podcast I look forward to hearing you pedal it out all Saturday night. (laughs) Tomorrow I will tell you it again. (laughs) So there's also some exciting news, isn't there, for people like me, more pub goers, more beer drinkers. Not so much for people like you. If this podcast isn't filling your appetite for alcohol podcasts... There's a new one coming. Uh, Tell us about it, Katie. You've you've got a podcast coming out. We do. So we've got our first official camera podcast called Pubs, Pints and People. Good name. (laughs) Why didn't we? We couldn't call That's a good name. Ours is okay. I know. (laughs) Yours is okay. (laughs) And it's coming out on the 14th of April. We'll be looking at different topics each week. They're very excited about it out in the kitchen. I don't know what they've just done out there. (laughs) So things like beer festivals, diversity in beer, what craft beer actually means, pubs and loneliness, all sorts 
sorts of things that we've kind of touched upon Fantastic. today. So yeah, tune in. <laughs> Excellent. And uh, even better news, uh, we're going to be on your podcast. You are. <laughs> it's going to be a massive episode, that. <laughs> can I just say, this has been fantastic for me. It's the one I've been looking forward to. <laughs> so once again, can I just say thank you so much for coming <laughs> off. You've been fantastic. You also have a great podcast voice. <laughs> so anyone, anyone who is going for this, the, what's it called? Pubs? people pubs pints and people pub pints and people it's going to be brilliant because your voice is superb for <laughs> podcast well done thank you thank very much, you very much. <laughs> uh, well, that's pretty much it for this episode uh, there's one bit of housekeeping any guy richie news okay it's not really guy richie news okay but, but it kind of is so I had a drink Jason in Statham news. <laughs> I had a drink in his pub, The Law of the Land. Okay, you've taken to stalking him. Well, I don't think it's a coincidence that his new pub, which is in Fitzrover, which is a kind of area I and my friends drink in. I don't think there's any coincidence he's opened it there around where he knows I'll be. Um, <laughs> and I went in there, I had a drink. I did ask if was he in. He wasn't in. Obviously, no. he's a busy man. Look, I think when Guy eventually comes on, I think he'll allay those fears and talk about our friendship in, in a very oh. lovely way. And I think it'll be good. But yeah, I was in the law of the land, so I'm a step closer. Well, we will see. This is episode four. So what do you reckon? In the first 10, maybe? I think for our 10th anniversary, our 10th one. 10th anniversary or 10th episode. <laughs> I think maybe. There's only so long I'm prepared to give up, Jimmy. <laughs> I think I. I I mean, Guy's a busy man. Guy's got a, a, a busy schedule. He always used to when we were friends, you know. Um, so I think, yeah, maybe for the 10th. Next time on the next episode, we're going to speak to Andy Smith. I was really worried about this one. Really worried. So we mentioned Andy briefly at the end of the last episode. He's the guy who gave up drinking and completely turned his life around to the point where he was walking with a stick, but he, he gave up booze and a year later rode the route of the Tour de France to the same schedule as the guys who were racing it. Not as fast. Not as fast, but, you know, the same distance yeah, over yeah, the same number of same days. days yeah. So we've already recorded that interview. We did it the other day. And, yeah, we were both very nervous about doing it. He is a top, top bloke with a very refreshing attitude as someone who is given up booze because of a, a problem. It'd be a really good episode. I, I loved it. I'd be interested to see how it comes out when you cut it all together. But it was, um, it was very, very exciting, very entertaining and very informative. Well, it might just be the, the discussion with Andy because it went on for so long. It was so fascinating. So that's our next week. Until then, have a great leap year, whether you're drinking or not. And cheers. Cheers.